Today is August 28th. Go Cubs, go. Get out of our town. Bucks drop three or four and head out of town themselves. We'll see you in September. Bye, baby. Goodbye. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast, where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh, and I'm joined as always by my brother Jake. What's up, Jake? How we doing, man? Doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you get the intro this time? Yeah. The the Go Cubs Go. No, the See You in September. Or the Yeah, we'll see okay. you. Let's go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Uh, yeah, a little fun with that. We won't see the Pirates back in Pittsburgh until September. A little uh, right. Midwest trip. Kansas City, St. Louis, I believe, mm-hmm. is the the full trip, right? I believe so. Six yeah. games coming up. But first, drop the series to the Cubs. I said right before we got on here, um, when you look at the first three games of the series, if I'd have told you they they split on Sunday, I think you'd have been like, "Yeah, it pretty much makes sense the way the the way the series was going." Mm-hmm. Instead, but yeah, yeah, it was ugly. Just the layover. Yeah, ugly. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll break down the series a little bit. Um, we'll also break down Mitch Keller. We've we, we can't go without talking about him, and uh, hopefully one day it's not the roller coaster. Yeah. But anyway, we've got some things there. I thought today. I thought I thought Sunday's game was going to be a little better than that after the first sitting. I, I thought we were going to be able to jump on him. We hit the ball hard, obviously. Just the one hit in that first inning, but it didn't uh, get any better after that. But like, like, like Reynolds weren't what was that? One hundred and seven off the bat, straight to the first baseman. Key Brian Hayes had a hard ball up the middle. Like I was like, okay, we might end up, we might end up getting to this guy. I mean, we were hitting the ball hard early, but no, didn't happen. Yeah, so we're also going to talk about um, watching strikes. That's how I'll, that's how I'll say it. Stick around for that one. A um, couple numbers that won't surprise you, but it's worth talking about. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. You uh, you kind of already started on the game. We talked about the first game on Thursday uh, on Friday's episode. So if you hadn't listened to Friday's episode yet, go back, listen to Friday's episode. Uh, we talked about the last series, but we also talked about Thursday's game a little bit. Uh, Zestrizny with the start. Jackson goes six after that. So really going with the opener thing. Uh, that's not the last time in this series that that, uh, that the Pirates did it. So, you know, we'll, we'll go over that as well. But um, a 10-inning game on Thursday just falls short. Um, I guess that's kind of the way it goes right now. Just fall yeah. short. However... Friday night, and this is we're gonna get into Mitch Keller a little bit deeper. So, uh, but just to say, he he was dominant. Uh, you get the two to one win. Ian Happ still got a little bit um, of what of he could he get. Did. Of course, he did. Absolutely crushes the Pirates. And this series was no different. The series was no different. But a two to one win. Um, Hayes gets two hits. Reynolds with the double. Cutch 0 for 4, chasing 300, did not happen this weekend as he had a couple 0 for, 0 for games. And then, uh, it's funny, I haven't written down, I haven't written, wow. It's fine, man. Yeah, it's, it's another late one, guys. It's another <laughs> late one. Um, I haven't wrote down 0 for 4 both nights. It was 0 for 4 and 0 for 3. So, just fix it, even though it doesn't matter, except for my notes, I'm fixing it. But we did the we we did the opener again, and Selby uh, about as good at two innings as you could have expected. 
you had Jordan Wicks on the other side with his major league debut, which I mean looked great. Looked great. Yeah. Nine strikeouts on some of that, you know, blah blah. Some of that is what it is. But in five <laughs> innings, but his stuff really was good. Yeah, it looked good. Uh Selby does go two innings. Three strikeouts, nothing else. And then he gives the ball to Beto and not good. Five walks in two and a third. Five hits to go along with it. Eight runs. Gets one strikeout. Four walks in one inning. And he gives up, uh, in, in the third inning, gives up three runs. And then it was, he bounces right back, has a one, two, three, fourth inning. You're thinking, all right, all right. Got to get us through five here. Mm-hmm. and he walks another guy. He's got runners on first and second. It was funny. I was talking to mom on the phone, and she's like, when are we going to get this guy out of here? And I was like, what's well, a 3-1 game? And she's like, nope, it's not, because she's always ahead of me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's a five. All of a sudden, it's an eight. All this, You know what I mean? And so he gives up five runs in the fifth before they finally get him out of there. Baraki gets him out, throws another inning. So Strizny, another inning. Hatch, really, before we get into that, the Pirates show a little signs of life in the seventh inning. They they get five runs, make it eight to six. Kind of felt like things were going up. It all started. Alika Williams got things going. Key Brian Hayes kept them moving. He had two more hits in this game, an RBI single and a home run. The home run in the first uh, to start the game. Now, I mean, it's funny. You know, we talked about how the rookie in his first start looked good, but I think his second pitch of the game or of his major league career was a home run by Key Bryan. Uh, it didn't let him bother. He didn't let it bother him. No. Um, but yeah, Reynolds two hits and kind of the big one in that in that five run seventh. The the like the the weirdest part of that was the double from Brian Reynolds down the line. I've never seen it before. Hits inside fair territory. It is clearly out of play when it hits the wall. And um, Suzuki reaches over the wall to catch it before it hits the ground and then throws it in, which Key Brian Hayes scores from first. And they call it a ground rule double. But it never hit the ground out of play. Umpires talk, dude. I, I've seen so many, uh, so many people mention that Derek Shelton was on the field before Hayes even scored, <laughs> running out there saying, "No, no, no, that is not out of play." It didn't raise the ground, and they talked about it and they said that. And so we had some conversations about it. Uh, you know, obviously everybody on on Twitter was buzzing about it and saying they've never seen anything like it, and. I, I couldn't help but think of center field at Fenway Park where they've mm-hmm. got the line drawn straight up and anything that hits on the other side of that line, it wouldn't matter if it hits off there and you go up and catch it. It doesn't matter. It's a dead ball. It's a home run. Right. But there's no line at PNC Park. There's nothing right. saying that that's out of play. So all he has to do is let it bounce. Now, granted, the run would have ended up scoring anyway. Uh, but that had to be the, the weirdest thing because it certainly hit like it, it hit over the out of play. Right. Mm-hmm. But kind of weird, but I, I kudos That's to wild. Shelton. This is another one of those situations where Shelton, as far as like knowing the rules and knowing those little like nuanced things. If you remember the, uh, the Dave Martinez, uh, Derek Shelton thing in Washington. Was it in Washington or in Pittsburgh last year? Man, I can't remember what that was, but it was the weirdest play. And it was the way that Shelton went out and argued something and something got changed. And then it was almost like he anticipated that if he did that, Martinez would come out. I mean, I'm going to have to dig in the archives and find this. And so then Martinez came out, and as soon as Martinez came out and and challenged or whatever, Shelton was like, there was some piece of that, and Shelton was like, 
he can't challenge that <laughs> or something. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're right. And it was like this weird, like, kudos to you for knowing the rules. Yeah. And this was kind of what... that, but I don't remember Yeah, that. I don't remember what it was. But, yeah. but this was another one of those scenarios where, like, Johnny on the spot, he was like, nope, not out of play. And hmm. it was, yeah, it was kind of... Kind of a kudos to him. I mean, you know, hey, we, we're going to give it when it's there, right? Right, right. So, but that was kind of the weird one. But but Hayes wouldn't have scored. I mean, he got that run in because of it. Yeah. And then today. Well, th- well, then we say, I said we'd come back to it. Then Hatch gives up two in the ninth, which kind of opened it back up. So, like, they got back in it, but then, and, and then it just kind of left. Falter goes four and two-thirds on Sunday. Seven hits, six runs, a walk, three. I mean, just more of the same. He had the one where when they they had the opener and he came in, and he went six strong, and I thought, okay, maybe back to the back he, to the old and bag of tricks. Did he cut his? Is that what it was? I guess I didn't realize long yeah, he hair, cut short his hair. Hair off. We, and he had the long hair for the long out for the. Hmm. Has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Has nothing to do with it, but. I mean, but yeah. Facts are facts. Facts are facts. <laughs> you got to go with it. Just a little stitches. <laughs> Cody Bolton comes in. Uh, by the way, he was called up. Beto was sent down after that other game. He goes two and one in, in a third. Just gives up a hit and a walk. Strikes out four. Jose Hernandez gives up four more runs. <laughs> it's a shame he got hurt. Because he was rolling there for a while, and then he was on the IL, and then he come back, and he was on the IL. Did he make a couple IL stints there? I think so, yeah. At least one. And it's been a little mixed since then. Yeah. And it could also be the fact that he was... I mean, he's probably been worked more than than you, you would have ever expected a Rule 5 pick to be worked. Mm-hmm. So there might be something to that. You know, maybe a little bit of... I mean, you know, it's one of those things where... I think it was, I actually think it was mom again. She was like, I saw Kutch limping the other day. <laughs> and I said, I mean, if you pay attention in late August, it's probably a lot of guys limping. <laughs> it's just that time of year. And unless you're, if, unless you're winning, you're hurting. Yeah. Every day you're hurting. That's just the way it goes. And so more of the same for Jose Hernandez. I mean, I'm sure he's just, you know, not doing great <laughs> physically. I mean, they're all they're all tired. They're worn down. And when you're not on a winning yeah. team, man, it's hard. It's a grind for sure. Palacios two hits in this game. Bay had to hit uh, the double in the first. Swinski gets a hit, steals a base. That's it, man. Four hits. Four hits. Just ugly. Yeah, rough day at the ballpark. Anything else from this series? Do you want to just, you know, shut up just, about the Cubs? Yeah, I just can't stand it. Uh, I, I looked up a bunch of uh, Ian Happ stuff. The numbers against the Pirates are... Absurd. He's in, He's in like, the... Uh, I think since, since he came into the league in 2018, I'm pretty sure he's, like, one of the top five hitters against the Pirates. You would say, yeah, like, how's he not the top? Well, there's Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> it was really the top. Uh, there's a few others too, but that's kind of the. I think he was the top hitter in in a, in a couple different categories, but but yeah, there's some guys, but he's a guy who, I mean, even even in even in PNC Park, I was kind of surprised to see that he only has one home run per year at PNC Park. Did not mm. hit one at PNC in 2021, but. I would have exp- I mean the doubles are probably a different story. Cuz I feel like that's how they come. Yeah. But maybe he hits more in Chicago. I mean he's he's from Pittsburgh, he likes to play the team that makes sense. You know what I mean? That's kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Mitch Keller, let's get into Mitch Keller. Cuz I know you're excited. Last time he pitched, we said we need to see more. And uh we just saw one more. That's what you said last time. I want to see one more. I want to see that consistency. Yeah. We saw it. 
uh, and it was he gets two strikeouts in the first, and he only gets four the rest of the way, but just puts it in cruise control and uh, just had control of the game the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Eight scoreless. Did we did we even say the line? Six strikeouts, one walk, four hits, down to a four oh one now. So, you know, still improvements there, but just bring up a little thing here. Cause it's been talked about. We've talked about it. Um, you know, kind of going to that that comfort level of a catcher. And mm-hmm. so I decided let's put some numbers to back it up. Okay. If you look at the splits uh, for Mitch Keller this year based on who's catching him, Austin Hedges obviously has gotten the most work, 17 games, 102 innings, 406 ERA, a 94, okay, here's a new one, T-O-P-S plus. The T-O-P-S plus is basically his O-P-S plus relative uh, to the player's total OPS. So this is the player, and then when you break the split down, in this case, he's thrown to three different catchers. So based on his total OPS uh, against him, in this case, this is how he performs when uh, when he's pitching to, for instance, Austin Hedges. He has a 94 T-OPS plus. Uh, which is better. I mean, a pitcher, you want the OPS plus to be under 100, right? 100 right. would be, this is just how I am. And so with Austin Hedges out there, it's a 94. He's comfortable there. He's better than normal or better than the norm of this season. 241 average against him, 4.54 strikeout per walks. It's a great number. Yeah. yeah I mean, you've said on Any, here before, your, your goal three. is three. Yeah, anything over three. So I'll go to Jason DeLay, second most, seven games. That's who he pitched to the other day. Uh, 45 innings, 1.80 ERA. 76 TOPS plus. 218 average, 336 strikeout to walk. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Then there's Endy. Just three games, but right in the middle of this, of this rough patch. And those three games are just 16 and two-thirds innings, 972 ERA, 184 TOPS plus, 415 average, and 1.75 strikeouts to walk. That's a catcher and a pitcher not being on the same page. Yeah, you could That's say that. Not I mean, getting not getting enough time like working with each other. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot that goes into that. It's not not to say Andy can't catch him, but I wouldn't catch him the rest of this year. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And I would imagine you're not going to see that. Um, you could look at the four game stretch from July 18th to August 3rd, um, and then look at the next three since Delay has been catching him every game. Um, July 18th, Andy was catching six innings, eight runs, two walks, and a strikeout. And then Hedges caught him on the 23rd, five innings, six runs a walk, and five strikeouts. And then back to Andy, five and two-thirds, two runs, three walks, eight strikeouts. A little bit of a, uh, a a different look there. Do I still have this pulled up? That is, uh, yeah, the 28th. That was against Philly. Um, that was kind of an interesting game there. He did have a lot of strikeouts. It kind of got him out of some things. Um, and then on the 3rd of August, five innings, eight runs, Three walks, five strikeouts. Um, that was against Milwaukee. And so that was the third. Do I have the... How do I not have the eighth here? I do, but I have the wrong date. Okay. We've got another game in here that I, I could read. Um, The eighth. Let's see. I'm pulling up the box score here for the eighth real quick. It was delay catching. So I think this is the one I have marked as the 13th. I think it's actually the 8th. So I don't think I have the 13th marked. Five innings? No, I don't. Because it was five innings, just one run. And that was delay as well. So actually we have we have four. We have four games to go off of here. So what you see the next four games, so I just uh, just named the four games, and then with delay on the eighth, he's pitching against Atlanta. Goes five innings, three runs. 
uh, no walks, four strikeouts. On the 13th against Cincinnati, six innings, one earned, three walks, seven strikeouts. 19th, these are all with delay. 19th against Minnesota, six innings, two runs, one walk, 12 strikeouts. And then the shutout that we just read. So when you look at that, I mean, that, you've already said it. Um, it's a comfort level thing. You like to throw to your guy. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that. It's like you said, this is a guy he hasn't worked with. Right. He, Andy doesn't know what Mitch likes to rely on. Mitch doesn't know the confidence. He doesn't have the confidence to be like, all right, I'm going to bury this curveball. Yeah. And he's going to block it with a guy on. Yeah, and sometimes comfort even goes further than that. Like, you look in there mm-hmm. and you see your guy. We've also seen a couple different yeah. guys calling their own pitches on the mound. I don't want to make this about Andy, right? Like, we said that. Mm-hmm. They haven't worked together. This is something a spring training fixes, right? I mean, that's that's all there is to it. You would think right. that just getting the opportunity to work together, maybe that's all right. Yeah. So... It's not rare. Yeah. To see, I mean, you keep you keep delay around next year. Maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe delay is still right. catching him. Right. What do you got there? Yeah, I was just yeah, I just wouldn't. I'd just keep a delay at least the rest of this year. See what happens in the off season. See if yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and the and uh, see if they get together. See what happens in spring training. But but yeah, if we keep delay around, I don't know why you just wouldn't just let him to keep going. And Maybe I'm sure that's their catch, plan for sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's their plan. And I know this isn't anything that's new to anyone. Like we've all we've all seen this. Mm-hmm. And we've heard the things that he said where he couldn't get on the same page and uh and and after he pitches to delay, he says we had a comfort level, we had a good game plan, we were on the same page, things like that. Um so I mean like it's not surprising but it is kind of interesting to actually look at the numbers and say, oh, the things that we're seeing and hearing, the numbers back it up. Right. So I think it's kind of important to see that kind of stuff every once in a while. Numbers are big. Like you can say one thing and, you know what I mean, You, you whether it's a complaint or or whatever, you're, you know what I mean, uh, yeah. it's good to have some some data to back it up. Um, sure. And it, it's right there. Baseball reference, you go to splits, you can see splits by by the catcher for any pitcher. So you could do a you could do a little bit of a a dive down that rabbit hole and see if he's not the only pitcher maybe suffering right. from that. And if so, then you know that's a concern that uh could possibly be valid there. That you know, we've talked about whether or not these two catchers were ready to come up and we haven't even really, we've barely seen Henry Davis behind the plate. What we've seen of it has been, okay, okay, I get it. Andy yeah. shows a lot of good. A lot of good. The pop time, the arm strength is is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe calling games is not. I don't know how you fix something like that. I mean, you're using a pitch comm now. I don't see why your pitching coach can't use it. True. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's any rules against that or not. I wouldn't. Well, I don't see why there would be. Yeah, I wouldn't think. I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't at, at the major league level. You wouldn't want that to be the case. You wouldn't want your pitching coach calling the game. It's just not ideal. You want your pitcher and your catcher working together. It's it's not a Pirates thing either. You see these pitchers calling their own games. It's it's all over the league. Uh, trying to think there was somebody so scherzer calls his own yeah but it's sometimes like these are guys who haven't been doing that like oviedo hasn't been doing that all year and then all of a sudden you know what i'm saying and i think there's a reliever too that's doing it but i mean it it, it makes sense though you have a catcher coming in that you're not familiar with working with you're going to want to call your own. You have a pitch clock now. You can't sit there and shake off a bunch of That's it. And that's why, yeah. And that's why they're doing it. And I think like trade deadline guys, I think that's a good, I think that's a valid reason to say like, hey, let's, let's do this for a while until yeah. till we're yeah. on the same page or something like that. I could see that yeah. being, 
I actually, that's probably something that uh, is maybe important. Like as we move forward with the pitch com, you're probably going to see a little bit more of that. Yeah. It's kind of cool. What, uh, what things can open up by means of technology and things like that. What, what possibilities are. Okay. <laughs> no comment. No, no comment <laughs> on that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're moving along pretty quick here, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah moving along pretty quick here. Um, Let's get into this thing because I know, I mean, how many times do I have to look at the Twitter feed and see somebody tweet, swing the bat, get the bat off your shoulder. You can't hit if you don't swing and others too. (laughs) I love it. That's a little more funny to us than it is anyone else. That's a, that's a reference. If you haven't seen Almost Heroes, Chris Farley, Matthew Perry, Almost Heroes. You got to find it. You got to watch it. It's so funny. It, it may be better than Tommy Boy. I think that we just had so many inside jokes and like, you know, our, our, our tour we went on as when we were in the band was the Almost Heroes tour and we were just like super excited about that and we named a bunch of songs after quotes from that movie. So I think there's a little bit of like a, um, our heartstrings are tied to it a little tighter. And maybe that's why we think that. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's very funny, funny. Very funny. Farley's last movie. Yeah. He never even got to see it release. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, and if you don't know Chris Farley, this guy's just... Block off next weekend. <laughs> Block off next weekend and go spend some money on the streaming, whatever you do, Google Play or whoever has it, Amazon. I'm sure you can get it. You can rent all. You can rent all that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about some numbers, Jake. We're going to talk about right. the number of pitches and basically where they rank, where the Pirates rank. And I didn't look up individuals. Maybe that's a part two for another episode. But first off, I want to do the whole team because I think it is a whole team thing. And we watched Leo Piguero today look at a ball that looked like it was right down the middle. Um, and he caught. He was caught looking twice today. And we've talked a lot with, um, you know, with some Twitter conversations about called strike threes and, and called strikes in general. And there's some interesting pieces to this because – we complain a lot, and I haven't looked at the other side. Let's start getting into this. I'm setting it up a lot, but then I'm like, the more I set up, the more this is going to get confusing. They'll be like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. All right, so let's talk about called strikes. Pirates have the most, and we're going to go right to it. We're, these are not in any kind of order, but we're going to go right to what I was going to set up here. They have the most out-of-the-zone called strikes against them this year, 473 pitches that are out of the strike zone have been called strikes. Next is Texas with 452. We're talking about 20 more pitches out of the zone called strikes. Now, what I was about to say was, I haven't looked at the other side of this. How many we get when we're pitching. Right. You know what I'm saying? We've noticed that we do, like every time I look one of those up on like the umpire scorecards, it's like, yeah, I know there was 10 pitches that were off the plate that were called strikes. But guess what? We also threw 10 pitches off the plate that were called strikes. Right. So it's, you know what I'm saying? Like in, in everything that I've looked up, it's almost across the board. Like we're we're getting them against us, but we're getting them for us too, which just means we've had some poor umpires calling <laughs> our games. <laughs> so... But it is interesting to know, and we've heard this from the dugout, where they've been frustrated. The young guys have been frustrated with saying, I think we're getting these called strikes more than the next guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? The younger guys are. And maybe that's true. I think a lot of it is, like, if it's just a little bit off, man, you've got to 
you got to start pulling the trigger, especially when we start yeah. going down talking about uh, called strike three out of the zone. I'm going to jump there. They have the most, 62. The next is Minnesota with 54. 62 strikeouts. That's not just strikes. We're talking strikeouts now. Yeah. That are off the plate. Some of those might not be that far off the plate. You got two strikes. You got to protect. That's not a right. chase. That's protecting. Yeah. I'll give you the top, the first one I said. that You might consider that chasing. Now, the 62 are included in that 473, but that tells you how many there are that aren't strike three. Yeah. Usually it's not strike three. It's barely ever strike three when you think about 470. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're talking about, right. you know, four over 400 pitches that aren't strike three are still called strikes. Setting up strike three or a chase maybe because now you have to protect for two strikes. So when you look at the pitches in the zone, these are just pitches, 2,855 pitches that are over the plate, legitimate strikes have been called strikes. That is the ninth most, which isn't as high as I thought it would be. Right. It's not as high as I thought it would be. So let's go to strike three. Actually, ninth most also in overall called strikes. So they're the most out of the zone the ninth most in the zone, and still the ninth most overall. Kind of the, that that math doesn't add up. Well, it just I'm. Why not? Well, I guess you're talking about yeah. 473 off the plate and almost 3,000 on that are over the plate. You know, well, 2855. Yeah. So the the volume is so much greater in the strike zone than right. it is out of the strike zone that that does make a little bit of sense there. So called strike threes, I already did out of the zone. They have the most, 62. Minnesota with the next most, 54. Called strike three in the zone. These are the ones that are just inexcusable, in my opinion. <laughs> now, there are times you get fooled. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're, you think it's a curveball, you back kind of up, and then you're like, oh, it's right there. Or the other way around, you think it's a fastball. You're kind of backed up, right. and it drops in the zone. Pitchers earn those. Yeah. In the zone, strike three. It should be a much higher number than out of the zone, right? We understand that. It should be. Mm -hmm. Just because of the yeah. fact that if it's off the zone, it should never be called a strike. <laughs> uh, 252 called strike threes in the zone. And that is fourth. Tied for fourth. There are five teams there. That's Minnesota. We already talked about how they were right there with us on out of the zone. Well, they're also there in the zone. 296 is the most. Cincinnati with 262. San Francisco with 260. And Seattle's the one we're tied with, 252. Called strike three. This is the one I really want to tell you because baseball savant even has attack zones over the heart of the plate. <laughs> over the heart of the plate, 94 called strike threes over the heart of the plate. Eighth most. There's teams doing it more. <laughs> There's seven teams <laughs> who do it more. Cincinnati Dang. at the top with 114. 20 more. Jeez. And then all called strikes. Not just strike three, but all called strikes over the heart of the plate. 16th most. Like league average at this point. It's wild. Yeah. 1,348. Cincinnati again at the top with 1,606. Called strikes. They're just taking pitches over the heart of the plate. So I would imagine the fans of Cincinnati, Minnesota, San Francisco, San Diego, Seattle are all screaming the same thing we are because those teams are all up. Those are a lot of those teams that are at the top. I only have one thing. Excluding San Diego and Pittsburgh, obviously. Yeah. Minnesota's in first, Yale Central. Seattle, by the way, taking over first place, Yale West today. Oh, wow. Cincinnati only a game and a half uh, back in the wild card race tied with San Francisco. So we're actually like all these teams that were at the top of all these lists, they're okay. kind of they're kind of doing well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you make of that? Well, 
for one, we're going to make more of it because we're losing. Yeah. When you're winning, it's like, let's just brush it under the rug and act like it's not happening. Fair. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of it because there's a lot of numbers there. And some of those were in the middle of the pack were league average pretty much. Yeah. Or just, the, you know, just over with the ninth most. And the out of the zone strikes against is just incredible. Yeah. And Texas is on that part of the list too. And they're right there. They're wild card teams. Milwaukee's a first place team. They showed up in the, on this list right up there with everyone else. They were one of the teams that were consistently towards the top. I, it's not a one size fits all for sure. Right. It's not working here. <laughs> and I think it's not working here because of that very first one. Pitches out of the zone, being called strike three. Is that just like a a circumstantial thing or, a, you know what I mean? Or is it a coincidence? Like if we're getting all of these, you know, and like I said, this is, 473 strikes out of the zone, but only 62 of them are strike three. I don't know. At some point, I wonder if it's because we're young that this has become such a problem. If we're if fair. if we're getting the if we wouldn't get all those off the plate called strikes, would the ones that are on the plate hurt us so bad? I mean you could, you could ask that question by looking at this, but for me, those pitches over the heart of the plate, man, you just you have to you have to figure out how to go into attack mode and hit those. Yeah. The, the other thing for me, the, the other thing I would like to touch on is that out of the zone strike being called on a younger guy, he might not get over it as easily as a veteran. That might ruin his at bat. Yeah, and if you could say, and you, know, and you, you hope it doesn't, right? And eventually, you you hope it doesn't too. But I'll tell you one thing: right. one team that's never at the top of this, and I still have the page up here for called strike three over the plate, not the ones off the plate, but the ones over the plate. The team that's dead last in that category with strikeouts is the Atlanta Braves, a hundred and thirty-one three. <laughs> but the thing is, is only 131 called strike three and you're looking at 252 or 296 for Minnesota. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, Because they, they are in attack mode all the time. All the they time. Are sw they are a swinging team. So if we look at, I'm going to take away the two strikes. We're just looking at pitches over the plate and the Angels are... are are, have the least amount, and, uh, and they're like 20-something. I mean, so it's real close, right? But Atlanta's 29th most. So they're still in that. Just This is not just strike three. This is any strike. And I told you the, the Pirates are ninth. Mm -hmm. And Arizona's fifth in that. Milwaukee's sixth. The Cubs are fourth. Now, two of the top three, though, are the Mets and the Padres which is interesting because they're not doing well. However, they've got a lot of really good players on their team who probably <laughs> have done this for a while. Not to yeah. mention Vogelback plays for the Mets. So he's got like 2,000 of them himself. <laughs> but <laughs> over the heart of the plate probably. Yeah. I mean, if I'm even saying if I look at the zones and, and I literally like – because over the heart um, kind of covers – like if you break the if you break the if you break it down the zones like when you just look at the strike zone you're gonna have like nine squares right mm -hmm. you've got the top three the bottom three the middle three oh I want order but the heart the attack zones are a little bit different where like one through nine is your heart but like the strike zone then there's there's the shadow which is like the edges of the plate which is not the heart but the edges right anything that's yeah. that's either Barely a strike or just off the plate. That's your shadow, right? And then obviously mm -hmm. you have your chase and then your waist is the way that they mark them. And so that shadow, actually, that's probably a good thing to look at too, is how many of the how many of these two strike 
uh, strike called strike threes for the Pirates are in that shadow, which means they could just be off the plate. Uh, they're number two to Minnesota. 214, Minnesota 241. Jeez. Atlanta 30th, <laughs> just to say. <laughs> but that's that protect mode. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're you're number two. You're the second highest, and that's that protect. You got two strikes. I'm not asking you to, you know what I mean? If if we go to chase, these are bad, bad calls. There shouldn't be very many of these across the league. And there's not. Right. Pittsburgh is tied for first with Washington with six. <laughs> six. <laughs> and there's only 20 teams who've done it. <laughs> and Atlanta actually twice. Only 20 teams have actually gotten a called third strike in that in that zone. So, but if I take away the heart, because the heart does cover most of the inside of the if I just go for literally right down the middle, the middle, middle of those nine squares that are in the strike zone. Yeah. Just that very, very middle. Pirates are 21st with 12 strikeouts right there. And the top is Oakland with 26. Cincinnati's right there too. And if I take away strike three and just look at how many strikes they're watching that are literally middle-middle, they're 21st still, 322. Cincinnati's at the top. So, like, that doesn't mean that we're not doing it too much, by the way. I'm not making a case that the Pirates are fine. Right. It's just, once again, when you start to look at this, and you start to see the numbers. They are at the top of a lot of these. But I am one to say, like, right over the middle of the plate. <laughs> what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Now, if I yeah. do if I do zone two and zone eight, this would be high and low over the plate, but down the middle. You know what I mean? We just said we were 21st yeah. in overall called strikes there. So let me look at those. 18th. 18th. So let's take away high and low. Let's just go middle of the plate, inside corner, outside corner, down the middle. Called strikes. I mean, I'm just looking at all the numbers here. 11th. They're just... I, the numbers that are there, and that's 63 strikeouts in those at-bats too. So the numbers that are there just tell me that this is a league-wide thing again. Yeah. And it's driving me it's, nuts. It's, it's one of those things that just drives me nuts about things that that are going on in baseball right now. And you say, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, you like the walk. You like the walk. And it's like, quit waiting for the walk and go get a hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do some damage. Yeah. And I don't know if maybe pitchers eat you up if you do that or... You know what I mean? Whatever their whatever their philosophy is, I'm sure everybody who makes is making that decision is smarter than I am. Yeah. And even if I if I can't figure it out, it means they're smarter than I am. And they're the ones with the job. You know what I mean? Last time I yeah. checked, I, mean, I wasn't working for MLB. They're they're thinking about the the you know Brian Reynolds swinging at the first pitch, hitting 107, but getting getting out. That's it. I, I don't know about that one. I think if you hit it 107, that was your pitch to swing at. And I think that's what it is. Like, I think, I think, but that's it though. It's your pitch to swing at. You hit it hard and you're still out. So, what's the alternative? Don't swing at your pitch. But that, I mean, sometimes it seems like that's what they're doing. <laughs> Let's see how many Even times if it's in the first pitch of that. I'm not for that by any stretch of the imagination. I want Brian Reynolds swinging at that and hitting it 107 every time. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to know that first pitch we're doing OO count out of the zone. I want to know who leads in swings. Pirates are 22nd in that category. <laughs> Angels actually first. So now let me look in the zone. Pitches in the zone, first pitch swinging at balls that are in the zone. Pirates 15th. So it's not like they're being over-aggressive there. Or it's not like they're being, you know, aggressive Under -aggressive. there. Under-aggressive. Right, yeah. Yeah, they're middle of the pack there. Let's do the heart. Just to see, like, you know, not just let's, let's lay off the corners, but 13th. So we're not seeing, like, that's what you want to see. You want to see those go up. Now... 
this is in um this is in perspective of the rest of the league as well. You know what I'm saying? Not mm-hmm. if you just look at like the Pirates and you know, obviously pitch percentage is 3.9%, but that percentage is always low because we're putting so many qualifications under them. Um, but first pitch swinging, you know what I'm saying? If 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 you're just saying in general, doesn't matter where it's at, first pitch swinging, um, Pirates are 19th there. Let's look at the let's look at the statistics on that too, because I'd like to see what the average is. I should sort it by that. Oh, but the uh, hold on, I can't sort it by here. Let's sort it by batting average because if I do it that way, I don't get the ranks. So I'd have to sit there and count. We don't have time for that. No. Pirates are twenty second, ranked twenty second on swinging at first pitches with a three thirty two average. Now you know the worst team in baseball is the Yankees with a three fourteen. You're swinging first pitch. It's it's obviously a good pitch to swing at. <laughs> so you're going to have a good batting average, right? Right. Baltimore, right. Atlanta at the top of this thing, three eighty and three eighty one. And the so Atlanta, remember, this is a team who's not going to look at that pitch, and we're looking at balls over the heart of the plate. They're not. If we could just be swinging at those, yeah. Maybe you get more. I know that we've just, I know that we're saying a lot of numbers. I know that we're kind of barking a lot here. And this is a lot of data. And, you know, most of you are, I actually, I didn't even show it on the screen for the YouTube. So <laughs> nobody's seeing it, but especially like for, for audio listeners, you're not going to look at this anyway. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my old school thoughts. As far as the league. I mean, you want to talk about Andy Haynes. This is his thing. I think there's a lot more than just taking pitches, right? That we can that we can pick out of that if you're not happy with the Pirates hitting coach. Uh right. there's there's plenty there. Um but I don't think the next guy you get is gonna be let's go out there hacking. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I just think that it, it's an individual based thing. And and like I said, maybe for another podcast or maybe this offseason. We'll take a dive in when we're talking mostly about the Pirates and the, just scratch the rest of the league in this other than for reference. But, like, let's take a look at the players that we have and which one of these guys is a bigger culprit. I think you have some guesses, right? I think we would I think we would be able to pinpoint a little bit of that, you know, whether yeah. it's Brian Reynolds who won't swing off the plate, uh, you know, Jack Swinski who's trying to right now and it's not working out, but... To me, it's 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 Reynolds who won't swing off the plate. It's Sawinski who won't swing at pitches in the zone. It's you know what I'm saying. And then there's a mixed yeah. bag the rest of the team. And when I see stuff like that, you know, I the data backs all those things up too. But I just didn't want to get into individuals unless well, in the off season we'll have a whole episode to get into one thing. You know what I mean? And yeah. we'll be able to dive yeah. into all that kind of stuff. It'd be a lot of fun, but. Um, I don't really know if I had a point here other than just to kind of understand that. And when I did, I thought, boy, I think it'd be interesting for everybody else to hear that too. Yeah. It's across the board, man. Yeah. Hopefully ease some, I mean, it's still frustrating. It's still frustrating. It's still frustrating, but just understanding that it's happening across the league is it, it it does, does help a little bit. Gives you a little perspective. Yeah. There are there are good. It's not just the bottom of bad teams doing it too, right? right. Matter of fact, some of the bad teams are the teams that are swinging away. <laughs> so it just, I mean, really, it comes down in that point. It comes down to, well, what's your talent level? You know what I'm right. saying? Because right. if your talent level is there, and that, and you have a a team full of guys who like to take pitches and and take daddy hacks at the good ones. That's one thing. If you've got a really aggressive team, it just depends. Do you, is it Acuna aggressive or is it? I'm not gonna dog somebody like that, but is it some guy <laughs> who's you know what I mean, a four A player who's really aggressive, who's playing on a team that doesn't have enough players to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or the, or they've got some injuries that's making them bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Starling Marte, we used to say that uh, there was no pitch he didn't like, right? <laughs> and we see a lot of that. And a lot of yeah. those players too, a lot of them say you don't make it to the to the United States by walking. You got to mm-hmm. hit your way there. And yeah. 
you know, you get some of those guys over here and you start telling them to take pitches and it's 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 out of their element. So I don't know. Yes, and then they're just uncomfortable with the plate. Right. All right, Pirates yeah. going to Kansas City. Oviedo versus Zach Grinky for the first one. Cole, I think it's Raggins. Reagans. We'll find out this week. Find out Tuesday night. Going for them. And then TBD TBD on Wednesday. We do know that nice. Luis Ortiz is going to throw either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, we heard that from all the yeah. reports that Sherrington said it on 93.7. So uh, we just don't know if it's Tuesday or Wednesday. That's it. Uh, dude, the, I mean, the Royals have almost 20 more losses than the Pirates. So, yeah. 91 losses. We have 73. I know you're going to their park, but you should win this series. Yeah, absolutely. Oviedo, Luis Ortiz needs to bounce back, and then whoever else goes. It'll probably be who knows who. But. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, and hopefully they can get away with a, with a series win here. Yeah, hopefully. Have a great it's, week, guys. Uh, oh, yeah, you got something? Yeah, I'm just going to give a little shout-out to the, uh, the the youth pastor in Mobile, Alabama that came in and saw me at Kilwins the other day. I totally forgot I wish that I would have got, got. I wish I would have got his name. I didn't get his name. So if you do listen to this one, hit us up. Yeah, yeah, hit us up. Uh that's kind of cool. I mean, things stretch out a little bit. Alabama. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I'm playing the music no, and good, everything, buddy. and I'm like, yeah. I should I should unmute. I should get the music out of here, out of the way. Now we can play it again. Now we can bring it back in. Now we can close <laughs> out the show. It's all good, brother. All good. I forgot all about that. It's good. All right, man. Good stuff, though. You guys have a great week. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Let's go, Bucks. Yep. Let's go, Bucks. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks! <laughs>